Hello, and welcome to A Culinary Observation. I'm your host, Marco Gutierrez. Welcome back to this podcast. <laughs> Never get tired of saying that, to be honest. Well, here we are. It is now almost May, and I had some time to kind of just reflect back. And like I said on the last episode, that uh, I took some time off to kind of, you know, figure things back out of what I'm doing and, you know, where I'm working and, and how things are going. And it, it it just made me reflect on something in my past that's probably the most important thing to a kitchen, and that is our dishwashers. So during this time off, we at work have not had one and just recently got one. And it is the most amazing thing in the world to not have to do your own dishwashing. <laughs> but um, I mean, not to not to shit on those people, because it's such an important part of the job process is to make sure that, you know, Good food goes out on clean product, and all your equipment is good and working and clean. That's how you produce good food. At any point, if anyone's ever worked in a rationale, if you try to steam something in there that has like a very stinky taste, like barbecue or something, and then you stick other food in there, your other food tends to taste like that. So it's kind of important. I mean, rationales clean themselves, but like old convection ovens, you know, our our normal like tabletop uh, cookery all that stuff, chafing dishes, they all need to be cleaned, and that's the crew that does it. And it's it's quite amazing what they can accomplish. Thinking about my first job, uh, most of our crew was from Mexico. And most, you know, I would say that majority of Los Angeles restaurants and, you know, any back of the house is going to be run by some sort of Latin descent folk. And, yeah, ours is no, no different. And the guy that I had on dishwasher was an older gentleman, and... You know, it's quite amazing how much food he can pump out, or how much, uh, how many dishes he could pump out from his area. He always just be back there with his loud music on, and you know, it was always something different. He listened to rock and roll, he listened to Mexican music, uh, it was just whatever he felt like. But he was like, what was he like? I would say maybe in his sixties, and uh, yeah, so it was interesting. He and I worked at uh, the Standard Hotel. And then years, years later, while working for Levy Restaurants, I was at uh, the Microsoft Theater and ran across him. And he actually recognized me. And I was just like, oh, my God, we work together. This is so weird. And now he was like a he was an attendant of some sort, just like telling people where to get get to how to get to their seat and stuff. So quite interesting to see, you know, not exactly full circle, but I imagine that uh, that was <laughs> that was like his way of getting out of the dish pit and finally getting a job where he can make just about the same amount of money and do less work. That is strenuous. I and mean, once you get older, I, what was that like? Wow, that was 2006. So now it's 2021. Quite some time ago. I saw him in like 2018, I think. So still a long time. I never really, like, looked at what he was doing back there. I don't think at that point I had ever, like, operated a dishwasher, just three-compartment sinks. You know, every small restaurant that I worked in didn't really have one. 
So this was like the first time being my first job this is the first time I saw like an automatic dishwasher where you just put things on a, on a little conveyor belt and uh, there's like a plastic rigging that holds your dishes and then you just spray it all off, you know, clean all the food off, spray it off and then just shove it right into this machine and it comes out the other end perfectly clean, ready to go. And that, yeah, that was cool. I didn't, I didn't know how any of it worked like operational of the dish machine and just knew that dishes got clean and you know, you watch, the process of it, of the front of the house coming back with one of the dishes, then wiping it off, tossing down the plate, and then the utensils go into a dish bin, and that's it. Then the guy takes care of the rest and puts everything away and dries glassware. And also, they tend to work on the line, and that's that was a very cool thing to see, is that he was always willing to come and cook food on the line, even if he wasn't really asked to. <laughs> he would still come by. Like, he made his own meals. You know, there was like a... A family meal provided for everybody uh, midday, but like, yeah, morning time, he'd come in, say hello to everybody, make a couple jokes here and there. He was a real goofy guy and uh, make himself like an egg sandwich or something really quick and then just go hide behind the line. Um, yeah, he's a cool dude now that I think about it. It was really, really nice. Nice to me for sure. And I didn't speak much Spanish back then. Like, I've been a bilingual spe- speaker for quite some time. Uh, growing up as a kid, I spoke Spanish more than anything. I understand it very well, but I definitely don't speak it as well as I should. So this was like the first time getting a lesson back into speaking Spanish. I think I stopped speaking Spanish around like second grade, just because everybody I spoke to was English speaking. We stopped speaking Spanish at home, so I wasn't used to it after a while. Well, with having said that, though, there are like enough words you can learn in Spanish to make it in a kitchen. There's a very, very bare bones amount of words, you know, rápido, just be faster. You know, those little things you can learn quickly, and then you'll learn all the bad words right off the top when they start teaching you how to say things properly, which is usually improper. And they all have their own slang, which is interesting too. Like dudes from certain parts of Mexico just speak a certain way, and, you know, obviously you can kind of spot, once you get better at it of knowing who you're listening to, you can kind of spot who's from where and and they can spot right off of you like whether you learn Spanish as a kid or if, if you learned it you know in school or if you learned it just uh, from you know people in the in the kitchen itself so like I was saying there was uh, not too many uh, dishwashers that I like knew personally and I didn't know even then either that that was kind of like the way that you start in kitchens was you start from the bottom as a dishwasher. Hopefully, you get the chance to do some prep work. And if you're fast enough and, you know, precise enough for the chef, then maybe you'll get bumped to like a prep cook and then just so on and so forth. Make it through line cook, you know, work on different stations, and then maybe one day become a sous chef of a restaurant. That whole career path had never really been explained to me that that was the way to do it. When I was in culinary school, a lot of people that were in culinary school were like me. We were totally fresh to the experience and. There was a few people that had already been working the line, but, you know, I don't think I, like, really understood what it was like to be professionally working out there already and having come up from the bottom to the top. I hadn't I hadn't seen it, and even if it was, like, spoken to me about, like, that's the way everybody used to do it back in the day, it's not the same, you know, hearing it from someone as opposed to seeing it. You see their struggles, you get to learn their... You know, everything that goes on in their life, it it happens in the dish pit and it happens in the kitchen. You know, we spend so many hours together, sometimes 12, 14 hours a day with each other, 
there's really nothing else than to learn about each other and learn about their personal lives. And you know, sometimes you get invested and sometimes you don't. You just don't want to talk to them at all. But the overall theme for sure is that, you know, like I was saying, it's not something that can just be told like, yeah, this is how you do it and this was the life, you know, you have to see it to believe it. Like, it's tough for a lot of dishwashers that are trying to come up. And, like, there are those that just go in and want to do the job and just do the job because they can and they need money. And then there are those that want to move up and want to be recognized and they work the hardest. doesn't matter what it is. Sometimes even doing things that you wouldn't feel is in their category realm to do. I had mentioned once further back, and I believe in the first season of this podcast, about... um there was a, a dishwasher that worked with me at a, at a restaurant, a steak and seafood restaurant called the El Dorado. And he totally did anything that the owners asked. If, you know, he was doing all the dining room cleaning along with the, the two like maitre d' guys that were there. He would clean the bathrooms. He would clean behind the bar, cleaned up the kitchen sometimes, you know. We did do our part as far as, like, we'd mop everything and sweep down and wipe down tables and stuff, but he did the equipment. And, you know, he would clean sometimes the line for, like, the front of the house if they left it a mess. He had standards. He would actually want to make sure that the the restaurant looked good. And I think he had been there for quite some time. Um, and there was a few nights with the new owners where he was, you know, beginning to get grow frustrated over all the demands that they wanted from him and, you know, not very good pay. He was hoping to get, like, a raise. Um, and he didn't, so he ended up quitting, and my friend Anthony came to help out, but Anthony never really did. I don't think he ever cleaned the restrooms. I'm pretty sure he just did the dishes and then helped it at the end of the night to uh, clean up the kitchen, and that was about it. And eventually he became a prep cook and then moved up. So, like I said, you watch people grow, and Anthony wanted to be there, and he showed interest in being a prep cook and he was doing well at it and I think he proved to himself that he could do it and he ended up working in the industry and he's one of the episodes that I have as well uh, I believe on this season season two and super proud of him where he's at and where he's going it's really cool to watch but just a quick side note in between working from the standard hotel to the El Dorado I had jumped around to like one or two other restaurants just to kind of see what's going on and in those restaurants I started to learn about, uh, you know, being basically the the one person that does everything. And sometimes when you ask a chef, you know, what their uh, job title really is, is, they'll start naming off all the jobs in the kitchen. You know, oh, I'm the dishwasher. I'm the, I take out the trash. I uh, also work on the line and I do the pastries and I do this and that. And that's like a common theme for most of us, you know, that are in the industry that are chefs now. You're everything. You have been all of that at some point, and you're never going to stop being that type of person. And if you care about what you do, you're going to put the time in to make sure all of it is up to standard. And yeah, it's interesting that I learned by getting paid, I think it was like $10 an hour at this one small restaurant that was like 15, 20 people seated at one time, and we never got that. We literally only had like maybe five people come in for lunch. And I think their dinner service was better because they served wine, but yeah, so people would come in for lunch, get like five, ten people, it'd be just me by myself in the morning, I'd open up the, the restaurant by myself, the owner wouldn't even be there, I'd come in, you know, deck scrub the, the patio, which was just the ground, the cement ground, you know, public works could take care of that stuff, but all of our tables are out there, you know, outdoor seating, so 
I deck scrub the front patio, wash it all down, and then make sure that the, the kitchen and the front of the house restaurant were both clean, mopped floors. And hopefully they did that the night before, but then I found the, I finally uh, found out that no, they wouldn't do that for us. They would literally just walk out at the end of the night, and then I'd have to mop the restaurant for, like, not even just mop. There's mopping, and then there's actually, like, cleaning. And that's, like, deck scrubbing the floor, and then going back and mopping and cleaning up all the dirt. That was what I was left with. And then on top of that, I also had to do the bathrooms, and that wasn't my favorite thing. I... I was okay with doing them at home, but doing them for work, it was kind of like, ah, I don't want to do that. That's That shouldn't be in my job title. They should have a front-of-the-house guy come do that. But anywho, so I did the bathroom, and then I'd go start prepping on the line, you know, get the get the kitchen going, turn everything on, start prepping food for five, ten people. And you never knew what they were going to order on such a large menu. I had to prep, like, two or three of everything which is dumb when you have like 20, 30 pieces of different types of things in the menu that don't like cross over. Then you're just prepping for fucking nobody and hopefully they would use that at nighttime or they end up just throwing it away. It was a bad business model is what I'm trying to say. They didn't last long. I spoke about that already. Look back on season one of the podcast for any of that info. But uh, yeah, so once I saw the struggles of what it's like to be a dishwasher through the eyes of my friend Anthony, through the eyes of, you know, two other dishwashers, it just, like, started to get to me that I felt like I, I skipped a step, you know? I wasn't um, fully versed in it. As much as I was doing when I was working at the restaurants I was working at, I still didn't feel justified that I had put enough of my time in. So I kind of made it like a like a goal of mine to see how much I can take care of myself and still be on time, you know, in my normal operation. And that became a challenge for me. Every restaurant I would go to, I'd see if I could go do my own dishes when the dishwasher wasn't there. And some of them didn't like me getting in there and doing my own thing. You know, if the dishwasher, if he was operating the dishwasher, all right, I'm going to let him do that thing. But if there's like a three-compartment sink and a dishwasher, I'm going to go straight to the three-compartment, do my dishes, get it done, make sure that the water levels are fine and that the temperatures are fine, they're not too dirty, and the sanitizer, you know, is at the right parts per million. I was in it, you know? I'm a very, very, like, thorough person when it comes to washing dishes sometimes. So with feeling like I had skipped something, you know, there was a lot of dishwashers that kind of helped me through the times, you know, working in fine dining, you can't really do it your own. You know, maybe on catering days at, uh, where was it? Uh, at Citrus at Social, when there was catering, I would do our dishes. I would help do our dishes. The sous chefs would be there with us, maybe like another cook, and we'd all do our own dishes. It was nice, you know. We I learned how to operate a dishwasher. I learned how to, like, take apart, put back together, you know, drain the water. This was, like, my final... The final uh, chapter of how to operate a dishwasher. I've seen the conveyor belt where you can just continuously run things through the dishwasher. And then I was working on like the single drop where you just like bring the single door down and it does all your dishes, you know, in what, three, three to four minutes. It's done unless you're running it on heavy for some reason. And um, yeah, so I knew now how to operate the dishwasher. It was awesome. Like I felt... A part of the team I felt like I had justified myself like I may have not spent my first two three years cutting my teeth on dishwashing and then getting there but I definitely tried my hardest over the course of I believe like maybe four or five years 
to always be in to always be there for them. You know, if they had a stack of and this is probably the worst is like lasagna. When you do a bunch of them in like 200 pans and you and you're doing it for like big catered events, man, the amount of pans that come back and like especially when it's off-site catering and then you bring all your dishes back to the dishwashers at like at your home base, everything is cold and stuck on. You got to soak, you got to scrub hard, like it just gets ridiculous and that's that's like legit time, you know? Sometimes it could take you like 6 hours to knock out a full catered event or maybe, you know, a couple minutes just to knock out. I don't know. The speed came along with it as as fast as as I felt like I was getting on the line. I was beginning to feel the same way in the dish pit. Like I could get in there, get everything down and I'm jumping all over the place, but I have so many feelings and thoughts now about it. But like you work as much more of a conscious cook when you have done your fair share of dishes. When you've lived that life as a dishwasher, you start to appreciate. And I can only say that for myself, I think. There are might be there I'm not gonna say there might be. There have been chefs out there that I've met in my time that had been dishwashers and now it's like, oh now it's my chance to fuck with these dishwashers and leave dirty ass pans and burn them and like they didn't they wouldn't care that they like seared the shit out of something and then didn't bother to like even give it a shot of water or something you know just to like try to lessen the blow or like put a pan on with water to try to get the crust off of it no they would literally just leave the pan in a bin it would be sitting there getting cold getting stuck on you know really getting into the nitty-gritty of your pan or whatever you're cooking on utensils the worst and uh yeah and they just throw them to the dish pit and be like there take care of that it's your job that is so fucked up like once you've done it long enough and you've been a part of that team when you get on the line you start to think like oh man this this is this is me at least this is gonna suck for this dishwasher and sometimes you just have to apologize and just move on other times you just try to cook a little bit better and by cooking better i don't mean like uh you know just cooking better food but just be conscious of how hot you get a pan and dunking it and you know trying your best to not make things worse for them so they can get you clean dishes faster i've only been maybe in a few restaurants where we got close to like no sizzle pans left and we're just yelling for a new pan or something or you know clean having to clean down some cast irons and start over like man it's yeah it got crazy you learn to not, you know, overwhelm them sometimes and like organize dishes for them before you put them into the pit and like not just throw pans everywhere or throw your utensils anywhere you want, you know, like try to be organized, try to, it, it works both on the line and off the line. So there was some time not too long ago when I was working at Texas that I went to New York to stay with my girlfriend and we had, I think, a couple of months together, almost six months, maybe three. It was closer to the three-month mark, probably. And after about a month of not doing any work for a month, I was starting to get restless and uh, went and sought a cooking job. And I thought about it pretty hard. I was like, do I really want to like cook food somewhere nearby, or do I want to wash dishes, maybe, and take that on? So I applied for a job at uh, a very local, nice uh, deli slash, uh, they were like hoagies and uh, and breakfast and lunch. It was really, really nice spot. 
and I walked in and, you know, I've had known, I have met the owners before, but I wasn't like on a name to name basis. So I was, I noticed that they had a sign on their door. that said they were looking for staff. And I was like, well, you know, I've cooked a little bit. I'm a supervisor at Texas A&M. I'm just up here for a couple, you know, a couple weeks. If you need some help, I'd be more than happy to be a, you know, a dishwasher or something. They thought it was strange. And they were like, well, we're not going to pay you like what you were making there. Like, yeah, I know that. Just pay me what you want to pay me. I'll take the extra cash. That's that's cool. You know, I'll, I'll get lunch. And I loved that they made their own bread in house. And like the hoagies and the and the grinders were like really good uh, food. So more than happy to be an employee there. If anything, it was worth it just for the employee meal. But uh, also, I got to know some people from another side of the country. And like, you know, my work ethic is pretty high up there. And theirs was very, very good standard. I would say. And there was one older gentleman that would basically like teach everyone else how to run the line. All of the kids there, and I mean kids, they were literally in high school or are just about to leave high school, were cooks and bakers and running front of the house and, you know, good gig for them, I suppose. So a lot of the the kids that I, I met working there were refreshed and just wanted to like, just wanted to do a job and then take the summer off and you know, do whatever it is that kids do. And, you know, tuxedo area in New York is, I would say, personally, this is my opinion, I think that it's a little bit of a high-end kind of place. Like, older people go there to uh, to retire-ish, sort of. I don't know, you know. The, the small little town that it is, it seems like mostly older people live there, you know, f- from their 40s to, like, 60s, 70s. It's really out of the way of New York City, which is really cool. I enjoyed that. And, like, you're deep in the mountains. You're near, you know, one really cool historic rest stop. That was, uh, I believe it's the Apple Restaurant. It's right off of Highway 17A. And, uh, yeah, like, you're in literally the mountains where I was. And there's just a small little restaurant in a very tiny strip mall. And that was this one. Uh, Dottie Audrey's is their name. And they're a really cool spot to work for. Like, the food, like I said, is delicious. The breakfast there was really good. The lunch there was awesome. Um, There's really nothing on the menu that they didn't hit the mark on. And good tea, good coffee service. They Everyone cared about doing things the right way, you know, right temperatures and stuff. Really interesting. So I show up and start doing their dishes for them. And, like, there's two kids that are explaining to me, like, how the dishes are done, where they go... Uh, what our responsibilities are and how we can divide the responsibilities up. (laughs) Uh, I think I was, what, like 30, maybe 32 at the time, maybe 31. And they didn't really know it. I still look fairly young in that time. And I think I still look fairly young to this day. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so they were like explaining to me how the things work. And I was just like, okay, cool. Yeah, just let me know how I can help. And yeah. So I was like scrubbing down dishes super hard and getting into like the nooks and crannies of all their sheet pans because they're still with parchment paper aligned. But, you know, you get the little corners that tend to get all the shit on it. So, you know, getting into it with a with a metal brush and then they realized, oh, man, you're pretty good at what you do. Like, what do you what do you normally do? Like, what was your last job? And I was like, oh, I'm currently actually a supervisor for Texas A&M at their football stadium. And I worked at, you know, Dodger Stadium. I worked at uh, Staples Center. So they were like, oh, man, you've actually, like, worked in the industry, like, as a sh- as a cook. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been a cook for a while. I think they they were going to call me a chef, but I never wanted that title. So, 
Yeah, they were like, yeah, you, you got a lot of experience. Why, why aren't you cooking online? I was like, ah, oh, there's no openings. So whatever, I'll just be a dishwasher for a while. Uh, you know, I'm just here for a couple months, so I'm happy to help out. So they, I'm working with these guys. They start to realize that, all right, he can handle himself. He can do everything on his own. Sweeping, taking out the trash, mopping the floors at the end of the night, you know, clearing all the dishes in a timely manner. And uh, just listening to music, like in my headphones or you know, on a little speaker in front of me, just killing it. And I I actually really enjoyed it. It was so refreshing to not be in charge of anything except a single dishwasher that you don't have to talk to. And other than my, like, my, like, uh, dishwashing coworkers, like, they were cool to talk with, but different level, you know, they're young, talking about video games, and I'm fairly versed in that stuff, but, like, yeah, I mean, they were more, like, Call of Duty and stuff, and I'm more Grand Theft Auto, so... Two different worlds, for sure. So every day that I'm there, I'm just, like, mentally taking notes of everything that I see and how they cook and how they communicate with each other, how one guy can get the entire kitchen to rally behind him when he needs it, and how they help each other out. And, you know, not only that, there's sanitation practices and, you know, just calling it as I see it. And what was cool is, like, the the owners were always willing to ask, like, what do you see? Is there anything you see that, you know, could be fixed or addressed? And it's like, oh, if you want my opinion, yeah, I'll give you guys a good once over and, like, tell you what, what's best. Once once the guy on the line found out who I was and that, like, I supervise, you know, from about five people to a hundred people at a time, he was willing to start talking with me about shop. And then we got, like, kind of close and, he let me know about himself, and you know, we got personal. We talked about the line, talked about how we can help each other out, and everybody else in the line, like how we can all grow. And then it just like became this really close knit crew of like all of us started to remember each other's name. It's mostly on my end. I'm terrible with names, so like to remember everybody's name at the time, I don't remember them now. But at the time, I knew everybody. You know, I tried to help out as much as I could if there was anything they needed, which was almost never. They would kill it all the time. Like, they turn over tables so fast, and they would also have, like, maybe 20, 30 people at a time come in and then just keep flipping tables one after another. Then the hoagies and grinders, I never really saw it full there, but, you know, it was cool that they had, like, a separate shop attached to the same shop for two different items. You know, the bread was made in the bakery. The bakery had a small little sit-down, you know, like I said, 20 people inside, and then maybe, like, 15, 20 outside. And then attached uh, via where the restroom hallway was, if you just keep going past the men's and women's restroom, you go into like the hoagies and grinders that they have there and chicken wings and, you know, all the fried food, all the, the deli quick, quick meal stuff, but like high ends, like the flavors were good. They didn't just make things that you could pull out of a packet. They still like actually got raw product and made it good. And uh, the uh, the main kitchen would, would pretty much get them prepped up, but they had their own kitchen and do most of, like, the day of stuff. So it was cool to watch them do their thing. And like I said, <laughs> there were some dishes there that I wish I could recreate just because they're fucking so good. I kept some of the menus that they gave me, and now I, like, look back, and I'm like, okay, one day, that's a sandwich I want to do, or, like, that's the dish I want to do, like, the white fish with capers, and you know, on, like, nice, freshly toasted country bread. Oh, so good. Um, they had a salary act slaw that was amazing. They had, uh, they did a grinder with like, um, it's like chopped pork and the salary act slaw and, uh, 
French fries all on it, cheese, sauce. Oh, so good. I think it was like a they, – they took the pork apple jus and put that right on top. Fucking amazing. Yeah. These flavors come back to mind. The the cheesesteak that they made, they did a wild mushroom cheesesteak that was amazing. And there's so many different types and varietals of mushrooms in it. Like you just get different textures and like it was always to like what they could get. It was never like set like, you know, you're getting chanterelles and this and that. Like sometimes it'd be really good like morels, chanterelles. You'd get like um, the lion's mane uh, mushroom, lots of portobellos, baby bellas, you know, basic button mushrooms. It was everything just chopped up. Super solid. So thinking back, there was a Sunday shift that I worked that was by myself and the other dishwasher couldn't be there until like a little bit after lunch. So I was there on my own from like early morning. I think it was like 5 a.m. They started prepping and then 6 a.m. doors were open and they do that till like about noon breakfast service. Sunday brunch breakfast service was killer. Like people constantly coming in to go orders, just like having to keep up was interesting. And they have had they had a dishwasher there that would normally do their Sundays but couldn't be there anymore. And he they said that he was fast. Then they met me. Like every time cups would come back and get them ready to go dried so they can be out there for their coffee and tea service because that was like the main thing to they made a good cup of coffee and a very good cup of tea so you know they would never have to call back there for anything and I held up so well until about I think it was about like 11 o'clock 11 30 before the dishwasher just came in that I was like actually starting to fall behind and had like stacks of sheep hands just because they use sheep hands like crazy there for like everything and uh yeah those started to pile up and they take up a lot of real estate at the dish pit. So when something else would come back, I'd have to like reorganize and make everything work and push things through. And I was just starting to slow down. They're like, wow, we're really surprised you made it this far. Like, I don't think any other cook, any other dishwasher has been able to like keep up for this long and did a great job. I was justified. Felt so good to like put all of my, what, like four or five years, six years into that one or two weeks or months, I forget how long it was. I believe it was like almost two months. Uh, and just like show that I can not only do dishwashing and cooking, but I could do on the full package, you know, I can be a sanitarian for you. I can toss out things. And like, now it's just starting to sound like I'm making my, an online resume or something, but they're valuable lessons that I would say if you're in the culinary industry and you're a cook out there and you need that boost, like hear what I'm saying, I felt good about doing that job. It wasn't it wasn't hard on me. I didn't feel like it was below me at all. Like remember, people start with humble beginnings. Some people older start at humble humble beginnings and make their way up. Some people can cook really well, but they're just in it because they need a paycheck, so they're dishwashers. It doesn't take a lot of responsibility out of their day or their their mental strength to like be responsible for a few inanimate objects. But, you know, put that care of what a normal chef does, you know, as a leader, as a team leader for a kitchen, and apply that to every part of it, including washing dishes, and there's there's some gold there. There's people that will see that and appreciate you for for all that hard work. You know, that's where the respect comes from. Um, always be respectful of the crew that you have and even if they're below average, you know, 
there's something. There's still a human being. Still treat them with the same respect that you would give any other human being, even if they're not that good at their job. And if they're not that good at their job, find a way to get them out of there. <laughs> just kidding. It seemed like it was easier back in the day to just let people go. And I'm sure there's fine dining restaurants out there that will do that to to people that just don't meet their expectations. They'll just cut them. But um, you got to give them, I guess, the benefit of the doubt, which is hard. When it's money, when it's your money specifically, it gets harder and harder to just be as lenient. Cool. I, that's all I really wanted to say was uh, talk about the dishwashing aspect of, of what we do. And I feel like the amount of dishwashing that gets done by chefs becomes smaller and smaller as you move up the ladder, and rightfully so. Anyone that is an executive chef, senior executive, corporate you don't really have to be in there doing dishes all the time. It's appreciated when it is done. At minimum, clean your stations up. Just do that much, and you will be respected and appreciated for what you do every time. And I feel like that's just a, a good part to what we do, you know, as leaders. If you set the example and continue to set that example, you will forever get that respect from the people that you work with you know not to say that like you're not busy and you can't you have so much to do that you have to ask someone do that at minimum ask like hey i gotta go do this thing real quick can you take care of my mess i'll get you back another time even if you know that it's your responsibility to tell someone else to do that part of their job it's just nice it's just nice to let someone else know like hey i'm thinking about you and your feelings if you take care of this for me, I will be forever grateful for you, and I respect you for taking care of that for me. That's it. Okay, well, I, I'm not really 100% sure how many more conversations I'm going to be able to record in the next month or so. Um, hopefully another one, two, maybe even three that I was expecting to do. But uh, yeah, I mean, if it comes down to just one more and then one final episode to kind of wrap up the season, I think I'll be happy. Uh, it's been really fun talking with everybody that I've chatted with and the plays are starting to show. I can see that we have almost over 600 listens and a bunch of unique people out there, different parts of this country, South America, you know, the EU and uh, in Canada listening. So I'm really thankful for all of you that are checking on this podcast and listening to these episodes and hope you appreciate the, uh, the amount of like, you know, the stories that go into it from my coworkers. They're, they're really cool, interesting people, and I'm like happy to share their stories with all of y'all. And same for me to share my stories with you. It's such a crazy industry that we work in, and I hope it's uh, encouraging to some that want to join. That hopefully there's a change in the tide as far as uh, how kitchens are run and what you can expect. And like I said, it, it's nothing like just getting in there and doing it. If you really want to be a part of this industry, just go do it get a part of it the more you read and the more you listen it's okay but it's nothing like the experience of actually growing together with the team and you know growing as a person yourself like learning and having awesome small victories and that's really what this episode and these podcasts have been for me just small victories to keep me going in my normal day cooking life <laughs> and yeah and just be able to to talk about it with someone and that being you out there whoever it may be so thank you again please be safe take care of yourself bye-bye